Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, Thank you very much, Alyssa Suggs, for joining us again. You're so welcome. Very much appreciated. The last time I spoke to you on here, you were one month into comedy, I believe. Was I? Was it really? It was. I went back and re-listened to the episode. You were one month into comedy. It was actually December. Oh, It was fuck. December of 2018. Yep. You were one month in. Came over to my one-bedroom apartment yep. in the living room slash studio. Mm-hmm. And we chatted about a number of things that I've written some down to see if you, how you feel about them now. And if you're still doing some of the activities. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All kinds of, do you remember anything from the last episode? Oh, barely. Um, yeah. About eight people listened back then. Um, and a good bit more do now. So, <laughs> so I hope they go back through and do some due diligence on this. N- number one, I believe you had recently started meditating. Oh. Do you still do that? Yeah, but probably with the same amount of frequency, so not enough. How often do you meditate now? It depends what you count as meditating. What do you count as <laughs> meditating? <laughs> as as because I'm still an angry guy yeah. who has not figured out how to meditate or center myself other than extreme pain or exhaustion. That's the only way I know how to shut off my mind. Okay, the force shutdown. Force shutdown. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you consider meditating and how often do you do it? Um, so th- there's like the traditional, like even what I think of when I think of meditating, where it's like you actually have a quiet space, um, you're sitting, eyes closed, and I'm not so great at doing that consistently, maybe once every couple weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll get around to that. Um, but if you consider... And I'm trying to talk myself into this one um, that like just setting aside time for like an intentional task. So like listening mm. to somebody speaking about maybe like an inspirational subject or listening to like a meditation, but maybe I'm still like doing something like yeah. moving around, um, like cleaning, but listening. So like intentionally centering myself Yeah, that I do almost almost daily okay. so if that counts that counts to me i've never heard that before and it sounds really interesting set aside time for an intentional task is there a go-to for you of like if i really need if i really need to get back to who i am i'll i'll set some time to listen or do this yeah yeah if i start feeling like um really uh, i'm trying to like like buzzy where you feel like you're like you can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> like vibrating. She's doing a, can you do it one more time? <clears throat> yeah, it's like the way if a kid was at a recital in, in a bee costume, yeah. I imagine it's how it's it's how the dance would look. Yeah. Um, if I'm feeling very much like that, then yeah, that's the second it goes on. Because if I don't uh, curb that, I'll go, I'll start heading towards a very slight, um, it's not true mania, but you know that feeling of like where you start to feel a little bit manic yeah, my resting state yeah. That's why I, <laughs> I call that home <laughs> i call that home is there a certain thing is there a certain thing or series of things you'll listen to or check out or is, or is it just could it be anything um i really like uh abraham hicks 
Abraham Hicks. Like if you're into that, I was, like I was hoping you were gonna go, <laughs> you were gonna go Lincoln. Holy, I was like, holy shit! I really, did, I really dig some Lincoln. <laughs> to get, <laughs> President or Vampire oh, Slayer? I was, yeah, I was gonna say which, which Lincoln are we, are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Dead I'd, president. Dead, yeah, the yeah. Dead, dead president. So Abraham Hicks is who? Uh, she. Well, it's not. Well, oh my gosh. So it's more like um. Abraham is, this is getting into a very, this is like stuff I don't talk about a lot. Um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, this is question one, man. <laughs> it's question in one. The Kicking ass. <laughs> I listened to the first episode and I was like, I didn't listen enough. Yeah. God damn it. Don't talk about this much. You hear that, people? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, like, so Abraham is this, uh, so it's basically, it's like, if you, have you heard the secret? Like manifestation, it's basically along those lines of, um, there's Esther Hicks and Abraham Hicks. Abraham is this, um, energy that she, uh, like channels. So, so the, so the, the person speaking to you is Esther Mm -hmm. and Abraham is the, like, I'm a, I'm a sports meathead. So the Kobe Bryant to the black Mamba, like the black Mamba was his pseudo character to be what he needed to be. So Abraham is her vessel to what you're about to. And it's basically talks about like, uh, intention and, um, manifesting basically that, uh, everything is already yours and you just have to be in the right state of mind kind of thing. Um, whether, however you feel about it or not, it always gets my mind straight when I get stuck in like really negative emotions or negative mindset, it helps just like reset. Well, I I will say this and I don't know if you feel this way. I'm always curious about this, but you seem to be a person that's more comfortable in yourself than, than I certainly am. That's how it's working. When I see you, yeah. When I see you, I see it like a, a comfort in oneself that I, typically do not have so if we bump into each other at a show or at a mic i'm usually doing an impression of who i i feel like i am and you seem very you seem very centered when i see you like you don't ever seem outside of yourself to me oh so the facade the facade is working that's what i mean like You're buying what I'm selling is what I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 Very, very much so. It seems like it to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to leave, I'm just going to leave her alone over there because she <laughs> seems like she's all set. She doesn't need to hear anything from me right now. I'm just going to let her be. I, I've worried at times you think I'm like mad at you because I'm just going to be like, I'm going to, I'm just going to not go anywhere near that right now. It looks like she's got it under control and I could only, and I could only bother this show f- for her if I go over and say hello right now. See, that's what I feel. I feel like I'm, that people worry that I'm mad that I I don't want to talk to them, but it's because I'm so game face. Yeah, oh, for sure, mm-hmm. for fucking sure. Because I am panicking constantly. Really on the inside. Oh yeah, yeah. This you, is, you can't it, tell life or in shows. Like life, like okay. constantly. That's but shows is like another level. It was which brings us to the uh, well. Well, before I, so has the meditation over the last two years helped you? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. it's helped a lot. Yeah. Um, the last time we talked, we were talking about the nerves. Um, you you said that around three or four p.m. is when it starts. Like oh, so, we, we we do shows at like so we usually start at seven seven thirty. Yeah. Back then, around three or four p.m. is when the nerves started mm-hmm. to arise, and then it was just a slow build 
Um, mm. Now, it's been a while since we've done comedy, but over the course until we got shut down, does it still feel that way or did it ever dissipate? Um, I think it got a shorter time period, but it's still no for sure was the anticipation. So maybe instead of being, what is that, like three hours out? three, four hours out. It was maybe yeah. like a couple hours out, like the time period like that it was two hours, yeah. 90 minutes. Or the, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the, that's the other thing that happens after a while is it, it starts to compress to where it's only like, it's only like 15 minutes before it starts. <laughs> Here's what happens to me because I'm so used to, especially with hosting, I'm so used to just being up there that sometimes I forget that I have nothing. <laughs> and then we're like, we're like 90 seconds before <clears throat> we're supposed to start this show and I look at my notepad or, or at my set list. I'm like, Oh, I've got really nothing to go on here today. And so I got to say to Eddie, Hey, we're going to be, in the, we're going to be another two minutes. And I just furiously <laughs> jot down notes. So it's that type of anxiety too. Oh yeah. Do you ever run into that now where you're like, Oh, I forgot. I didn't even plan anything. Uh, I've been trying to do like living in the moment. So that's like a constant mm. of like, have you gone on stage and just go, I'm just, I'm just going to let, see what, see what I figure out up here. No, Okay. No, I've not done that. I need, I feel like that would be a fun exercise Yeah. to do that. Yeah. See where that went just for, you know, just to see days. what happens for the right night. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm such an over preparer though, that I would still have backups of like, if the, if the magic didn't hit me. Yeah. That's what I usually, I was finally starting to get to the point before, um, we shut down where I would start to be able to kind of just have a more general like list. Okay. Like more general of what Ooh. I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about this. So what did the what did the list look like before this? Oh, it was like for sure written down word for word for like word. And I was reading it word for now that's not I may have not said it word for word when I got on stage, but yep. to get it to stick in my that head. That was me too. Yeah, yeah. That was me too. So uh, all the way down to hey guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It would be like hey guys on my on my <laughs> notepad. <laughs> and then I would I would I would try to memorize it and then say it into my phone and then mm -hmm. play it back and then say it into my phone and play it back and then get on stage and you don't say half the words the same way and you're like what, what, what happened there? It feels like you did the magic moment when you were alone in the bathroom and then like you get on stage and you're like fuck. I nailed it in the bathroom, <laughs> dude. I, I nailed it in the bathroom. Exactly. I crushed a heckler in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I did the whole thing to my soaps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, how long did that type of set list last for you? Probably, like, I, yesterday. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, when we stopped, I was just at about a year, um, maybe slightly over a year. And it was maybe the last few months that I was starting to feel comfortable with just having, like, the names of the jokes on there and then knowing Ooh. that I knew the joke well enough that I was going to be able to figure it out up there. So almost a year. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's a big moment when you can go from just writing the whole thing out to putting a little set list. I still to this day will make a set list and, and the joke that I know what the mm -hmm. joke is, but then all the sub points to like make sure you hit these. And it's and some of these, it's been like, hey, I've been telling this joke for four years. I should know it by now. <laughs> I should know it by now. But there's something about if I don't do that, I don't feel like I did the work to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel that way, I don't, f <clears throat> I feel a self-consciousness that somewhat translates on stage and I don't know why. And there's, there's a discomfort in one's own skin that goes into that too. Yeah. Like, I, like we talk to people where we talk to people all the time. Like this is what we do on stage in the ultimate crucible. Mm. But if I'm at work 
and I'm on a conference call and they're like, oh, hey, before we get started, we're just going to do like introductions and fun facts. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's my fucking worst nightmare. The icebreakers? Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. No. Icebreakers are the worst, especially icebreakers where you still have to be tempered. And everybody is like, I went to Switzerland. It's like, oh, God, can I? <laughs> I want my fun fact to be like, I wanted to kill myself when this call started. That's my fun fact. You can't do that. You have to go like, I played tennis when I was 14. It's the moment where I always go, God, there's nothing interesting about me. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> you want to just say that. <laughs> Fun fact, there's nothing interesting about me, but I do want to say there's nothing interesting about all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I hang out. I have to curse for my interesting stuff. You guys yeah. are awful. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, the, I'm the same exact way. Or like when you have to give an answer and you weren't prepared to give an answer in class or whatever, and that heart starts racing, you're like, what is, what is wrong with me? I've been in the most hostile public environments speaking at people, not even to people. It couldn't be more friendly than this, and for some reason I'm panicking. That, ne that never changes for me. You, can I give an opinion why I think I know for me why it does? Yes, give all the opinions, please. Because I think when I'm on stage that I don't, I try not to give a shit about what what anyone else in the, I don't know them yeah. like I don't give a shit what they think right. because I'm in my head I'm telling you I'm never going to see them again I'll probably in Bakersfield I'll see in them again town, next week see yeah, them yeah. a lot <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretending I will never <laughs> see them again whereas <laughs> if it's in like a class or work like I got to see you every fucking day yeah like, if I don't nail this fuck that's big I think you're like me now that you mentioned that where it was a long time before Tell me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Was it a long time before you allowed anyone in your real life to come see you perform? Oh, yeah. They weren't allowed to. They weren't allowed I was, to. They were specifically told, don't come. Yeah. Shout out, um, shout <laughs> out to Amanda <laughs> Callie DiGiacomo, who yeah. it took like eight months for her to be allowed to come. <laughs> she was the first. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was like, too. I, would, I was months before I would let people. I would rather fail among strangers any day than be moderately successful around my loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing for me too. So you you look at this you look at the crowd and you're like, I don't give a shit about these people. I'm gonna be me and maybe they'll like it. Yeah, well I think I, w I w it's I look at it as a skill acquisition is how I'm approaching it. So it's something that I wanna do because I wanna do it and so I, I'm very grateful that people show up and that because I can't do it without them showing up and being there. But at the same time, I'm doing it because I want to do it. So kind of fuck everybody else. But the moment somebody that I care about is there, then it becomes like, oh, I got to be good for you. You don't want to let them down yeah. kind of thing. I agree with that. And this also goes back to you are like, you're a well-adjusted person. You are so the person you are. Um, learning exercise. In our last episode, you called it basically a learning exercise and said it's the part you enjoy about it is not knowing how to put the puzzle pieces together and basically getting better at it versus mm -hmm. getting good at it was what you, yeah. you, you like the idea of getting better at this activity. Then you romanticize the idea of being good at it. Yeah. <clears throat> if that makes sense, which I mean, is something I, mean, I struggle with immensely. I mean, I want to be good at it desperately. Yeah. But I also know that it's going to take, like, it, w it will take a very long time. Yeah. If I ever do. And uh, I think I've tricked myself into enjoying that process. Mm. It's not, I mean, it has to do with uh, 
perfectionism but if i can't ever achieve perfectionism at least i'm gonna uh be glad about getting better yeah Yeah. do you think perfectionism holds you back from doing things oh for sure Mm -hmm. for yeah does it do you find that in work too because i'll have like i'll have phone calls or like small tasks it's like that's going to be done three weeks after it should be done because I don't have it in me for it to not look good in, in front of my eyes. <laughs> I can't. I've been playing out a scenario where this phone call doesn't go well. So he's going to be ignored for the next month. That's that's the level of where it holds me back at times. Yeah. Um, it affects me less in work now. I think I've gotten pretty good at not caring so much. I used to like obsess over... Uh, if I did well enough, like with things with work, but for sure, any, anything creative, the birthing process is such a painful experience. It <laughs> is right. Cause it never feels good enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now you've done, you've done a number of shows now. Last time we okay. talked to you, it was only open mics. Mm. Is the nerve balance the same for a show better or worse? Uh, I'd say it's about the same. Um, maybe a little bit more at the show cause I feel like there's more expectation. Like okay. you, you want to, pr- you're, you're so a lot of the time you're, you were paid or you have some sort of compensation. So if it feels a little, at least for me, it feels like I want to be able to, um, says who you're paid. <laughs> hot shot. <laughs> you're paid a year in the standup. Five dollars. <laughs> That's what, the hell is, what are you a Rockefeller? You get paid. <laughs> I got paid. It, it took me two years to get paid in an iced tea gift card. Get out of this. Get out of the studio. Who paid you five dollars? Oh. <laughs> I got paid in a gift card for a town 90 miles away. <laughs> I can buy you an iced tea in Fresno anytime you need one. But besides that, it was like three years before I got a, a little bit of cash on any of these shows. So good for you. You didn't have to stunt on me like that. Oh, fuck. I get the expectations, though. In a weird way, it's kind of made the shift to, for me most of the time where the show feels better, like the show show feels better than the not than the mm. than the bad, like the show that's going to be bad or the open mic because the open mic, or the sh- I'm working out new stuff or stuff that doesn't work mm. or stuff I don't really know yet where I want to go with it or I don't really know the beats of it. Mm. But when it's showtime, if it's a good show, I'm like, I know the plays. I, I got it. I'm just, we're throwing all fastballs tonight. And that makes me feel good of like, oh, there's so much less prep work in this. Um, that feels nice. But that's yeah. probably a time thing. Yeah, I don't know if I'm there yet. Yeah. I don't think I feel confident <clears throat> in anything enough to feel like. Right. Well, th- that's <laughs> the thing is it takes, it takes time to stack up enough yeah. bits that you're like, well, now this this is just the 20 that's happening tonight mm. and then maybe I'll try a new thing or whatever. But, um, yeah, so that, that, that one will come soon. This is, I, we should do this. We should do this every year, just an anniversary to go like, how does it feel now? And how does it feel now? It just get the same answers. Get the same. Every answer. fucking year. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, you said you're, f- you were a graphic design. Yeah. Uh, trades person by mm-hmm. nature. You said your favorite part of it was marketing and branding. Have you started applying that to comedy yet? No. Will you make my flyers? What I'm saying. Will you, Will you make me a better emblem for my podcast? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you have not. Do you think you will? And has there been anything mm. holding you back from it? Um, 
well after college it's what i have a degree in after college i was so burnt out um i i went really hard um i was doing i was working two jobs uh i got my degree in three years Mm. and by the time and my mental health like just declined so rapidly by the time i graduated i didn't want to even like touch like anything in that regard and it's only been the last year or so that i've actually um gotten back into it like consistently and actually started doing art and other things again i literally didn't even um draw or paint for several years because it just wasn't i just i couldn't even do it um so and then this last year i've been doing for a couple small businesses been doing stuff and so finally getting back into it nice yeah do you have a do you have an art form of choice that you like to do whether a favorite between graphic design drawing and painting um definitely things that are more like physically tangible is my preference um but i feel more comfortable because i've been doing it for so long um, and that's been the only medium that I've been consistently doing is like online illustration and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And that's a, it'll be a big one if you incorporate it into comedy, not just making, you know, just making things to market your stuff, mm-hmm. but also using it in the material and creatively now that you're, you're starting to get more on it. Like you're going to start a podcast soon. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have <laughs> the, o- the opening advertisement for your podcast? Do you have a do you have a theme on what you want the podcast to be? Yeah, so I know the general like um, direction and kind of where I want it to be. Um, it's do, do you want me? Do you mind sharing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd love to hear it. Um, I mean, I can give ba- how much backstory do you want? Because it's something it. I'm very passionate about. But all of it, all of okay. it. Okay. I'm I'm inside baseball guy. Okay. Give me the deets. Um. So growing up, my dad did this. My dad is uh, definitely more like socially distant. So I don't. Okay not socially distant emotionally that's what i meant mm-hmm. emotionally distant and so i don't really connect with him very well but one thing he really did when i was growing up um was he would tell me a story every single night and it was a story about his life wow um and it was a childhood experience of his or an adolescent experience and kind of framed in this um as like a bedtime story and he specifically called them boy stories okay and they but they were all about him yeah um and they were just something that i like ate i fucking ate up and first not having any like connection with him as i got older it was just something that i really treasured yeah um and then before my grandpa passed he did this thing where he um not only wrote to all of his his kids and his grandkids, he wrote them like specific letters with everything that he wanted to tell them. But he also sat down and recorded everything, stories and everything that he wanted to mark about his life. Um, to be fair, he had already decided he was going to die that year. So he had time to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is a man who uh, woke up one morning and told us I'm dying next year and took to the extent of, um, engraving his birthday and his, death date the year on his cane he knew what day he was so this wasn't like i'm gonna stop taking my pills this was like a hemingway and we're gonna stop this train he's like i've done it i've been there i've done everything i want to do how old was he um i think 80s almost 90s and how did you all feel about that was it um i don't think we're given a choice yeah but but (laughs) but but i mean like if if pop if Pop-Ops, go- if he's going to yeah. go, did it help for him to be like, hey, just so you know, eight months from now, yeah. 
So so get ready now. Oh, for sure. I Did think there help? was, he was one of the people that made me less afraid of death because he just approached it so gracefully. Um, he was like, this is what's going to happen, just so you all know. And he took the time before he passed to to lay out and get everything in order that he wanted. Um, and then when he did pass, it wasn't unexpectedly, we all knew it was coming. Um, yeah. so, and it was, and we all got to say our goodbyes. That's nice. So it was really nice. Um, but it kind of led me to this, just this thing that's kind of stuck with me of those were such beautiful experiences. Um, I wanted to kind of recreate that with other people. So, cause I, I can't be the only one that wants to hear, childhood stories of their parents or their loved ones and right. i'm i'm sure my grandpa isn't the only one that wanted to share those things before he passed right have those things memorialized um so i know that there are other you know this american life there are other podcasts that do like similar storytelling but that's kind of uh kind of going to be the vein so interview style that's so yeah. cool and so what's the what's the interview going so you're going to interview people about their life or are you gonna interview f- family members of <coughs> how do, what's the how how's it gonna how's it gonna go from a show standpoint? Um, I think I'll probably start for some practice. Uh, the the game plan um, is to start with my I, I want to get my dad these stories down that he told me when I was younger. I've asked him about it. He doesn't remember. No. Yeah. He <laughs> he doesn't remember telling you, or he doesn't remember the story. He doesn't remember the stories. Oh, he said, no. "Can you tell me the stories so I can remember?" I was like, <coughs> I. I was five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can, yeah. I can tell you the gist. I don't yeah. remember. I was five. You want me to tell you about your prom <laughs> that you told me when I was five? I didn't even know what prom was. Yeah. I just knew you told me about it. Um, so if I could get some of his, like get him to remember, actually, like that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I mean, I would love to do anyone and everyone. Oh, so you're going to, so you'll, let's say. Let's say I'm on your podcast right now. Mm. Is it you pick a specific time or memory in life and interview me to draw out of me what that was for me? Yeah, I'd like to do more, um, definitely more of like an actual storytelling like vein. So have you to actually pick an experience or a memory or a series of memories and kind of walk us through what that was like, but kind of um, maybe be um, able to as like the interview would be able to put it um, in a way that's more of like actual story, like not some, I mean yeah. talking, but actually kind of direct you and kind of to actual storytelling. I experience. like that. Cause based on your, based on your takeaways from the boy stories and your mm-hmm. grandpa stories, you, you know, you know what you really like about it and can build in a framework mm-hmm. that I wouldn't know when you're like, Hey, tell me about the first time you went on vacation yeah. and you already know the beats I should hit and can keep me ashore yeah. when I start. That would be really cool. And um, depending on how long this lockdown lasts, it's a really, it's a really quarantine proof. I keep saying to people, um, <clears throat> have you done any of the Zoom shows? No. I did one. Yeah. That was enough. <laughs> I did it out of love. And, and that was plenty. But when people have asked me, like, hey, I'm thinking about getting a show going or a Zoom thing going, the first thing I, the first thing I keep saying is do a storyteller show. Mm. There's not the same pressure to hit punchlines and get crowd reaction. And if you're really telling interesting things, it might be funny, but it might just be. So I could see your idea having a lot of adaptability of not just 
as a podcast, but if you wanted to set a phone down and be like, hey, we're just going to, I mean, I'm going to edit it and put out a podcast, but I'm just going to go on Facebook Live and see who wants to watch this thing. Yeah. It would be so much more quarantine proof than a show of me going, but, 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 and waiting for nameless, faceless people to laugh that I can't see. That was the hardest thing <coughs> because we couldn't do it on Zoom even. We had oh. to do it on Facebook Live. Oh. And you don't get to see the audience or hear them. So I'm just, I'm just, You're just in, a room by in an empty, in an empty room by myself. I can only see the little eyeball that tells me how many people are watching. No <laughs> no it's like a hostage video. Yeah. It's like, yeah, um, really cool idea though. And, and are you planning to get it started pretty soon? Or are you going to take time to, uh, yeah, no, I'm as soon as I can figure out, uh, equipment, you, I'm ready to jump on it. Do yeah. you have a name? Um, I do, I do, but working I working title. Yeah. So okay. I think where I'm at right now is, have you ever read Ender's Game? Ender, Ender's Game? Ender's Game. I've heard that name, but I haven't read it. Okay. So it's a, a series. I don't know that it's a trilogy. I think it might be more than three books. Um, Ender's Game is the first book. I don't remember the name of the second book, okay. but I believe it's in the second book. Um, there is, uh, a very short passage that talks about um, so that when people die, there's this, it's, it's a futuristic novel. And in this, um, this futuristic society, it becomes in, in vogue that when someone dies, they don't um, speak about their like life and like all the good things they did and like the best memories they instead hire a specific person um, whose only job is to come in and tell their life story in the nittiest grittiest of details wow. like the, every truth of who they were what they did all of those things um and so there's a name for the person and i i haven't looked it up i forget because <laughs> i know it's in the book but i haven't looked it up. i think it's going to be maybe something along those lines okay yeah. so it'll be the name like, related to the name yeah, of the person in the so. depends on if it's good or not i remember it being cool. good if i look it up and it's not good then we might scratch that and do something else. it may cool. just be called boy stories <laughs> <laughs> this is boy stories hosted by Alyssa sucks <laughs> yeah that be that would actually be a really cute tagline boy stories by Alyssa. By a girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy stories by a girl. That's pretty cool. I may have to read Ender's Game. Are you a are you a fiction reader specifically or mix it up? Yeah, yeah. Um definitely fiction, full escapism. Yeah. All fiction. Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um not to put you on the spot, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm an avid nonfiction reader. Mm -hmm. Um I'd like to dig more into fiction, but I just I haven't done it by nature and I keep running into I keep running into real stories that I'm like, well, I've got to see what goes on there. Because mm -hmm. what I'll do is I'll I go on the Wikipedia main page every day. And have you ever been on it? The main page of Wikipedia? Yeah. I didn't know there was one. I didn't know there was one until so, right now. Either. Yeah, there's a I'll show it to you real quick while I while I blabber my mouth. There's a main page to Wikipedia and it's got a couple of segments. So it's got an article of the day. Um, it's on the top left hand side um it's got the on this day events that like in years past tells mm -hmm. you what happened on those particular years um underneath to the left it's got just random facts that they decide to compile for the day oh. um and then in the in the current event news and so this is every day so december 30th 
So as you can see, 999, $1,460, $1,906, $1,940, $2,000, all these, and just about at least once or twice a week, I'll find something on there that's, that's like, I've never heard of that, and that's unreal. And so the next thing I'll do is I'll, I'll Google that and see if I can find books about it. And I almost always find books about it. And so I've been meaning to get into, I've been meaning to get into fiction because, especially because the mo most of the well-renowned writers mm -hmm. of all time were fiction writers. Um, and, and here I am, I've never, I've never done the classic works because I'm caught up with these, but each time I keep finding something pretty crazy. So that, anyway, long-winded, um, do you have a, do you have a book of this year that was like, this is the, if you read one, if you read one fiction book that I read this year, this one's the banger. Uh, no, I, this year I've done a lot of rereading. I've, uh, <coughs> reread a lot of things that, um, I remember liking, but then haven't read for forever. Well, um, give me one of those. Um, well, anything Terry Pratchett for sure. <laughs> Terry Pratchett. Uh, what, what's, what kind of, um, genre is the typical Terry Pratchett book? Um, Mainly fantasy, but he has uh, science fiction. He has a couple of science fic more science fiction e okay. um, books that he's put out, co-authored with other authors. Yeah. Okay. So science fiction, fantasy. I'll give that a shot. Any and there's there's no particular one, just anything that. Um, if you like fantasy, um, I think going postal or um. Monsters, monstrous regiment um, was a good one. Um, anything, they're all in one kind of world. Uh, like all most of his fantasy books are built into one world. Nice. Um, and then, if you like science fiction, the Long Earth series is a really good one. Okay. Um, one that's more popular that they just turned into a um, series is uh, oh, what's it called? They just read. They just made it a series. I believe it was on Amazon. Um, it was, he co-authored, it's with, uh, why can't I remember? has to do with the, the angel and the demon. Angels, it's called Angels and Demons. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> fucking dumb. What's the, <laughs> what's, the, what's the one with the I toys in the story? I think it's called, hold on, I might have to, hold on. Feel free, Angels and Demons. Well, while you, while you pull it up, can I give you a suggestion of my nonfiction read of the year? Yes. Are you into... <clears throat> this would be are you into kind of political real conspiracy no like real things that have happened you're not I okay. want to be as blind to conspiracy as possible are you into thriller type things uh no okay well then you're not going to like this book at all but it was <laughs> it was the it was the best thing I've read so far this year so it's a it's a book called The Burglary and what it is, is this is during, um, I believe this is during um, the, the Nixon Watergate era, mm -hmm. okay, in the, in the hippie movement and all this stuff. So they would go, they would go raid draft boards like mm -hmm. during Vietnam and all that to remove people's names and stuff like that. So what they did was they, um, this is during Herbert Hoover's um, F FBI, mm -hmm. uh, Her Herbert Hoover's. J. Edgar Hoover or whatever. I'm, I'm an idiot. Um, so they, this group of basically hippies invaded a FBI office in Media, Pennsylvania. So mm -hmm. it wasn't D.C. It wasn't 
you know, it wasn't Virginia, it wasn't the hub. They raided this random office in Media, Pennsylvania to try to find things. Mm. And they just happened to uncover all of these documents about secret FBI programs um, that the American public didn't know were being conducted. And it's called, it's called the the program was called Cointelpro, and it's this thing now that's this big conspiracy. But it was only uncovered because, like, eight or ten of these kind of peace nicks busted into this little local office. Mm. Um, and so it tells the whole tale of how everybody got together, who the players were, how they conspired to break in, once they broke in, how they got the documents, um, how they filter the documents, how they put them out. They put them out to... Um, to a, a handful of news outlets and then a handful of politicians. Everybody immediately sent them to the FBI except for one. I believe it was the Washington Post. And mm. during this time, spoiler, I know you won't read it because you don't like the subject, but during this time, you find out that the author of the book was the was the woman who was working at the Washington Post who received it and put out the actual article that told the American public about it. She was the only one who didn't turn everything into the FBI, got her editors to approve publishing it, and it's the only reason, basically, that we know about these secret programs. Is that a twist in the book? It's a, it's, it's not a... It's Do you not know a, that going in? No, you don't know oh, it going okay. in, but it's not like a big reveal. It's a, I enjoyed that it was kind of subtle, mm. but it was a, about a third of the way through the book, and I realized, oh, shit, this is... This is the lady who got this art. She's yeah. writing about this 20 or 30 years later. She's the reason that we know about this in the first place. And it was like this mind blown. Talks about what the fallout was and what all the resulting of it was. The really cool part of it is that's the first half of the book. Mm. The group that got together and broke in this office and found all this information, afterwards they were really smart about not leaving any loose ends they never spoke to each other again after the since like they never kept in touch there was a married couple and they of course stayed in touch they stayed with each other but the rest of the group went mm. in separate directions and never interacted with each other again and it was pre-social media and all that so they just it, and most of them it turned out when they they didn't even know how impactful what they had done was because they completely disconnected to it and just mm. led regular lives and so the second half of the book is t she individually tracked down and researched what happened to all of these people afterwards and chronicled their lives. A, a proverbial boy story of what happened to all these people. And then they did a reunion like 30 years later. Yeah. And got everybody back together really quick to, to catch up on what had happened. It was a really, just a really neat full circle book. And it was one of those things I found just from from Wikipedia. From Wikipedia, that they broke into a they broke into an office outside of Philadelphia, and I was like, I never heard about this. I looked it up, and sure, is this? It's a big, it's a big read. It was like seven or eight hundred pages, but um, that was mine for the year. I know you don't like any of those genres, but should you ever decide, it's a pretty interesting one. Or um, you could just pull it up on the Wikipedia page, and in about in about fourteen minutes, you'll basically have the whole gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other good part. <laughs> Do you find that like you, so you say you don't like fiction um, or that you don't like, that's obviously not something you connect with because obviously it's more real things that have happened in real life, nonfiction. Mm -hmm. 
do you live in your own, like, but the way you speak, you sound like you live in your own head a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. I find that odd. How so? Because yeah. for me to like live in my own head is like is, is escape. And so I want other avenues for escape oh. where you seem like you want to be grounded in. Re- does, <laughs> is that is that your grounding technique of like you need to be more tangible, like you actually like there's proof that it happened or that there's like. No, I I look at. I don't think I use it as much of an escape. Like I don't, I don't look at it actively of I'm going to, I'm going to get out of my own head to mm-hmm. read this because the way I, the way I describe the way my mind works is, um, you know how when you're in a crowded cafeteria mm-hmm. or a train station or w- whatever it is, and you kind of hear a general hum that's everybody's conversation. Mm-hmm but you can focus in on one or two or three conversations and hear exactly what they're saying. That's how my brain feels all the, as as there's just all this hum of thoughts and anxieties and whatever's and all that. So I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's living in my own head as, as of, as a, like, this is, this is me, you know, doing what I'm doing. I wonder how this looks. I wonder that's a, like, that's a portion of it Mm. in just a whole mesh mash of whatever's going on in there. Um, I guess I've never looked at that part. Like I said, the only way, the only way it seems to me that I can escape is through exhaustion. And so when I read, maybe I should try reading fiction because (laughs) when I read, it's not like an escape for me. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I'm not proud to admit this, but most of the time I read, it's not a labor of love for me. I'm making myself read. I read a lot. So it's another task. Yeah. I'm making myself do it. Like I'm usually, I'm really, the last couple of years, I've been working on myself to read for just enjoyment and just to be in the moment as opposed to like I start this chapter when am I going to finish this chapter? Oh. Yeah. That's, that's been a coaching moment for me to try to just sit in the moment and enjoy it as opposed to like, I want to digest this. I'm impatient. Yeah. I want to digest this and know it and then move on to the next thing I don't know. It's hard for me to go like, like, you, like just get, just get better at so it's an story. acquisition. Yes. It's not it's not a pleasure seeking activity. It's an acquisition activity. Yes. I'm trying gotcha. to I'm trying to make it a pleasure seeking activity instead of a transaction of I don't know this. I want to know this. How quickly can I know this? That kind of thing. Okay. It's it's extremely type A. <laughs> we live different lives. We live yeah, we yeah. live very different lives. And so and so I'm trying to kind of as I'm reading smell the roses and just in life like I'm I've become very careful about how I take on hobbies because I'm I want to find something I can just kick back and enjoy but I worry as soon as I start a stamp collection I'm like ah damn I want all the stamps (laughs) I want I want all the stamps now I just started decorating and I already felt that creeping up of like I'm gonna get a couple knickknacks but then I was like no this, this, like my fireplace area, this has to be done or I can't think about anything else. Until th- like the whole house doesn't have to be done. But if I start this, it has to be done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. 
So reading fiction helps you escape? Yes, and I <laughs> I need to correct myself. It's Good Omens is the name of the book. Angels and Demons is a book, but it's a whole nother book. I feel like Good Angels Omens. and Demons is like 90 books. <laughs> that's got to be a, that's got to be a popular. <laughs> the book I was speaking is Good Omens. But yes, to answer your question, yeah, it's definitely uh escape. Okay. Yeah. And when you're reading, you're out of your own head. Oh yeah, you can live like a thousand different lives when you're reading a book, like fiction. Interesting. Yeah. And you en- do you enjoy that more or do you enjoy being present, being centered. More. No, no, definitely this the escapism more. It's been a labor for me, a labor to be more present and uh, grounded, because I don't think that's my not has has not been my natural state. I think that's my problem with meditating mm. is I can't I can't just go. You're going to like just clear your mind. I have to go like. When am I going to be, <laughs> when am I going to be at peace? It's been 90 seconds. <laughs> and now that's a thought. <laughs> oh. And then the competing thought is like, why don't you just leave this alone? And then that competing thought is like, would you two stop arguing? And then yeah. before I know it, it's just 20 thoughts in my head while I'm trying to clear it. Yeah. But like you exercise, right? Yeah. That's, that can be meditation. So basically I've learned that meditation can be like multiple things. Um, basically anything that gets that hum in your brain to just shut up for a few seconds. Yep. So if exercise is like you experience that, like that's meditation. Yep. That's yeah. the big one for me. And then just rare occasions. I'd love to bottle it and figure out what it is, but there's the rare occasion where the mind goes quiet. It's like, Ooh, that's nice. That's such a good moment. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a certain thing that draws it out of you? No, it's like it hits you out of nowhere and you're like, Oh my God. It feels like there's an EDM festival in my head constantly. And yeah. then the moment, like, it's like they, everybody slept in and forgot to get started. And you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Do you hear this? Can you hear the specifics like me? Or is it just a general thumping EDM? Um, sometimes there's things, yeah, that are louder than others. But it's a general just, I think, loud noises. Yeah. And then something every once in a while will just, like, scream louder than the others. But, yeah. Do you want to know the one that always does it for me? It's it's being it, bad weather, which makes it difficult in this area, and I'll explain. And when I explain, tell me if you experience this. Mm. So let's say it's a really rainy day, okay? Mm. You have to park on the side of the street, and you've got to walk 150 feet to get from your car to your home. Yeah. You get out of the car. It's pouring raining. The wind is coming down. You have your hood on. It's kind of blowing the hood off. Um, beaten down on you it's cold it's chilly you you do that whole thing and you walk inside your door and as you close the door all you didn't even realize that sound and stimulus was around you Mm. as soon as you close the door you don't hear the rain anymore you don't feel the cold anymore there's no wind anymore it's just dead As, as the seal hits on your door dead silence and then and because of because of the juxtaposition, you notice the silence in a way that you never notice the silence when you walk in your home before. That one, I wish there were more rainy days here because that one gets me. I can relax for five minutes when that happens more than oh, wow. any other time in my life. No, I don't think I've experienced Never had that, that before. No. After this, we'll go outside. I'll hit you with a hose. <laughs> and we could try it. Do you get it now? <laughs> yeah, we could try to we could try to simulate it. Yeah, that's it's it's ha- it's hard for me to be out here because it's so nice all the time. We don't really get bad weather. 
and I'm I really like bad weather for some reason. Like I, I love a gray overcast day because mm. it brings the eye level down. Mm-hmm. So instead of this big stimulus, like you said, l- loud sounds get you. Instead of this sim- stimulus, where from the from the ground to the to the to the end of the sky, it the cloud cover kind of brings my eye level down and mm-hmm. cuts the stimulus, and that's re- I find that really nice. We only get like four days a year like that, so it makes it tough, but. So you're outside stimulus. You're saying that like you feel like everything's loud outside. I mean, you have your in your head, but Both. it's loud outside. And then when you get a, a moment of break from that, then it's like a little bit easier. Yep. When I when I get a break from that, it it helps with the inside as well. Gotcha. Yeah, it helps with the inside as well. That's what's actually gotten me into decorating, because I didn't realize I didn't realize when you decorate your place, you get to draw the eye level to where you want. So now on my uh, now on my fireplace because I have things on it like I put little knickknacks there yeah. instead of being from the floor to the ceiling I'm floor to the knickknacks and it cuts the stimulus down and it relaxes my my viewpoint. You didn't realize you can control your environment by putting like the things you wanted in it. No. <laughs> didn't occur. To you. No, I no I I mean I knew I knew in the abstract sense mm. like make this your home yeah. and all that but I didn't know in the literal sense that if you decorate this yeah. place you will pull your you will pull your perspective and eye lines and mm-hmm. to where you want. I never I never thought like that. Never at all. You knew that right away, graphic <laughs> designer. No, I maybe just like a a lady thing versus a a man there thing. It like is. I think we spend That's more. Big. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big. I think that would probably the the box I would put it in. Yeah, because yeah. my pl- like, just about every place that I've ever lived, you could throw me out and you would never know it. It was mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, how long do you live in a place before it's decorated to look like? If I walk in, I'm like, this is Alyssa's. If I know you well. Um. Ooh. Now it would be sooner. When I moved into my apartment, it took me about a year um, before I started actually like putting stuff up. Um, but that's because I just assumed I was going to leave again okay. eventually. But when I knew I was going to stay there, then it's taken me about another year to kind of finesse everything into the way that I want it. What decoration in your house are you most bashful about? Bashful? Yeah. Is there a live, laugh, love plaque in there somewhere? Oh, I'll tell you the thing that I forget is there. And then every time someone comes over, I, I am hit in the face with it. Oh, fuck. I put that there. <laughs> and then I have to like deal with that <laughs> <laughs> is in my bedroom. I have these all these chalkboards that I write all the um, like my manifestations and like things that I want on and the things that like I have my goals and like but they're like deep personal things and then someone will come into my bedroom and I'll, I'll be there for like 20 minutes and I'll look up and go oh fuck and they'll be like and they'll be like whoa <laughs> be like, you just saw inside of my brain and I was not prepared for yeah. that <laughs> that's a nakedness I cannot accept <laughs> ever yeah that's tough I I, I don't obviously have chalkboards but yeah. I've got I've got joke notebooks yep. and and tell me if you really if you do this but it, my joke books don't just have jokes in them. They just have whatever is going on when I yeah. force myself to write in them. So sometimes it's free writing where I'm just <laughs> lamenting about how much I hate myself or sometimes it's <clears throat> aspirational of, or sometimes I hear a podcast where, where, uh, where a life coach gets in my head a little too much and I'm like, you will be <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever's in there. And I, I, I don't think about it afterwards and then the notebook's out and I have company over and then I I run to the restroom and I come walking back out and I'm like, oh shit, 
oh shit I just left a notebook with my affirmations right next to this person for like two minutes there's no way they didn't read it they know I'm a phony now and and I just go through that spiral of like how much <laughs> how much do you know <laughs> kind of thing and you, yeah, it's a heart stopping moment you have to come to terms it, you really you go through the grief process of you have to come to terms with am I okay that they know this now what <laughs> You go. You'd really go through the five stages. Can I, get a, can I get away with the murder? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is an apartment. Where can I? I can't even. It's not my yard. I can't yeah. bury anybody in this yard. <laughs> I guess we're just gonna have to do this, or I move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, that is a big one. I will say, I think being in comedy helps to deal with that because I can stomach shame and embarrassment in a way that, and you can, in a way that the average human being would never be able to like the I, I used to say this on stage it's not a joke but it would help <clears throat> during hosting it would help explain to audiences where i'm at <laughs> throughout the night and i would explain to them and say like most of those people if like if we're two audience members and i say to you how are you and you go nothing much you that's your day to go fuck why did i fucking say that how are you nothing much you yeah. that wouldn't even the amount of embarrassment that we have to ingest on an annual basis that mm. I, I that doesn't even register on my radar, and so the someone seeing your chalkboard at, for a second, when they see my notebooks, I'm like, oh my god, I am a I am a slime. <laughs> I just uh, that this is the most embarrassed. But then uh, but then two seconds later, I'm like, I've been so much more embarrassed, so much more embarrassed, in front of loved ones. Loved ones have seen me fail. Like all, yeah. you, if if you're one of my loved ones, or even if you don't like me, mm-hmm. um, you know what I'm trying to do with this. Um, that that'll be a question uh, for me to to you in just a second is okay. to see if that changed. But people who know me well know what I'm trying to do with this. Mm. All you have to do is get on Twitter to know I'm failing. <laughs> 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 it's not, not that hidden. No, yeah. it's 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 a public failure of like, oh, he wants to be a successful and famous comedian. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got 130 followers. Looks like it's not working out yet. <laughs> it's very clear. Uh, he just posted a video. It's done 90 views. Yeah. I bet he doesn't love that. So, <laughs> it is a doing this endeavor if you commit to it. And you tell people you've committed to it is such a public, continuously reminding mm-hmm. failure that it's like you on a day to day. If I trip over myself walking into the grocery, I don't, I don't care at all. You don't, you can never embarrass me as much as I embarrass me all the time. Does that help you? And what do you want to take from comedy now? Two years later, <laughs> just. Sandwich that one in, huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I think it's definitely been comedy with a combination of um, my line of work that has definitely helped me. Do you mind if I ask you your line of work? Because I don't... Do you I, want me to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've talked about it on stage a little bit. I have a joke about it, but that I work in sales. You do. You did yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it on yeah. stage. That's right. Last time, two years ago, you were just starting to work in insurance. Yeah, I've been doing it for about a little over two years now. Um, I, I really started about the same time I did comedy, doing um, sales positions. Yeah, I got you. Um, I got you on on 
microphone about a month into everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you caught me in a life transition. Hell yeah. I was six months separated, uh, getting a divorce. From your husband? Yeah. Your ex-husband? Yeah. That was six months that out of the divorce or the separation? The separation. I didn't Hell get divorced until yeah. 2019. Yeah. So I was six months out of separ- like the separation. I was like starting comedy. I was like starting a new career path. Just a <laughs> whole, yeah. You know what's remarkable though? You're still doing all of that stuff. Considering the life change you were going through, you're doing, you're, you've committed to all of those things, which is very, like most people go through those life transitions and they get into something and then, and then they just quickly, cause they're just looking for the, the escape or something mm-hmm. to distract themselves. Like you really wanted to do all the things you started doing, which I think is a good sign. Okay. I, I see it as I started and then just, I've stayed stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yours sounds better. So we'll go with yours. Uh, yeah. Um, so definitely, yeah. I find, here's a disconnect that if if you mean that, it mm-hmm. seems like your your goals and aspirations are at a disconnect with your station. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. What, what you, your ideal is right in line with what you're doing mm-hmm. but you don't seem happy with what you're doing can you elaborate yeah so um the, the idea of comedy you mm-hmm. love the idea of getting better you desperately want to get better mm-hmm. um i think it was kind of the similar thing with insurance you had gotten sick of graphic design and then i think and this could be way off base but i think you were doing I forget what it was. Something in service, like a bakery or something like that. Oh, did I still have my business at the you time? You had just gotten out of the business. You had just gotten away from the bakery, and you're like, I want to go into something more, basically more professional and hardline and something. So you got into the insurance aspect. You're still doing that today as you would have wanted to be two years ago. And it sounds like from a growth standpoint, that makes sense. But when I ask you how you feel about all that, you you say that you're stuck. I wanted a stable paycheck. Ah. Yeah. I think for job career-wise, I wanted a stable, which I've done. I have a stable paycheck yeah. now. Um, Who knew how unfun that is? Yeah. But and I don't think that's what I want to do, like, long-term-wise. Sure. Yeah. But it definitely um, gave a good respite from... Ooh. The never heard it pronounced that way. I know. I was saying respite for so I long. I say respite. Is that wrong? I think it's somebody. I heard somebody say it. They said this is the way you pronounce it. And it's respite. And I don't. That doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't sound respite right. Respite sounds so much better. Respite says more romantic. Re, uh, respite. Yeah. Respite. Let's get to the bottom of this shit right now. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I can't believe people on the internet. It's resp- respite it's, sounds better. It's respite, especially out of that voice. Respite. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. But yeah, because um, creative um, pursuits are, I think, fulfilling, um, but sometimes they don't give quite the stability. They sure don't. Uh, that you would like. Um, so I've spent the past two years definitely <laughs> creating more stability but then now uh my creativity has probably suffered a little bit it will yeah well i don't i don't know if it does though mm-hmm. uh, i don't think inherently but i think for me it has yeah it would be nice to okay so uh, before i go on some diatribe what are you looking to get from comedy now where are you looking to take it wherever it'll let me your ideal <coughs> the thing that you 
back to the bashful thing. The okay. thing that you would write down on your chalkboard that you wouldn't want me to see, even if you got it, it that you're, you're not sure you'd want me to see because for me to go, oh, what do you want from it? I think comedy is something that I got into because I enjoy it for definitely for a skill set wise and for the like that I enjoy doing it. Um, I've never and I don't know if I said this last time, but I've never got into it because I wanted to be because I had like a hard end goal of like wanting to be um, well known or wanting to be um, like on a stage in front of 100,000 people. Um, it was something I admired and I wanted to be the person that did it. So just being able to do it was like such a big accomplishment. And right. now that I'm doing it, I think if I could get to the, my next step, if I could get to the point where I was, where I felt like, I know that I'll never, uh, I don't want to say that, cause, but yep. if I could get to the Can't point where I could be confident, like know that I have good material and that I can adjust be more confident in my skills that I could adjust to my environment that I can consistently bring um, what's needed to the table yeah. and know that if I'm asked to do you know, 20, 30 minutes that I can do 20, 30 minutes and I could knock it out of the park. Right. Yeah. End game. Would you want to be a comedian as a sole profession? I don't think I'd turn my nose up at it, but it's not like on the chalkboard right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Is there a is there a creative endeavor that you would put on the chalkboard right now, or is comedy the closest? No, like comedy's on the chalkboard, but not as like um like a final goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, is there a is there a creative endeavor? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I'll tell you one that's on my right now is to finish finish a book, write a book. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have you started? Yes, I I've, have. Um. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How? F I'll I'll let you run. Um. Them. Maybe. What am I at? like 20,000 words in. Hell yeah. Um, that's enough for, a, that's enough for a manuscript. Uh, um, and I'll, I'll talk about why I know that in a minute. <coughs> fiction, nonfiction. Fiction. Yeah, no, for sure. Fiction. Fiction based on nonfiction or just straight fantasy fiction? No, just straight fantasy fiction. Love it. Yeah. Give people the escape that you enjoy and you're 20,000 words in. Yeah. How long ago did you start it? Um, probably realistically if i started probably about three four years ago but being consistent with it maybe a year ago okay yeah very nice Twenty thousand words in do you have an idea of how much longer the story is oh so much longer it's probably going to end up being if if i get it to the point where i want it to be probably will end up being several books could, uh, that i'm looking at the length but my yeah. goal is to just publish one like to say that i have a book yeah yeah i've um similar endeavor it's actually how this podcast got started is i've got a i don't know what you would call it a draft manuscript called the bomb diaries mm. um have you ever read hunter s thompson oh it sounds so familiar but i can't off the top of my head tell you yes. um he's he's kind of a legendary writer for his more for his personality but for me it's what he writes mm. i'm not into the like party animal stuff but um he wrote this book called the rum diary mm that might be it might be my favorite book and it's fiction of all things <coughs> look at that look at that it's um it might be my favorite book and i just i really enjoy it and th by the way this is purely by accident but mm. i started writing about um steve martin 
has his famous book, Born Standing Up, where mm-hmm. he talks about his path to becoming a famous comedian. And I saw an interview of him one time where he said, you know, everybody, everybody who's famous talks about what life is like after they got famous and he's like that's the most boring thing and like it's the most boring thing in the world when you're successful Mm. because the part that people really want to know is what it was like before you were successful like Mm. on the come up and i i heard that and it just stuck in my brain and then when i started doing comedy it kicked in of like you know what would be even more interesting to me um somewhat because not famous but it would be even more interesting to me to hear what someone be before they were successful, when they weren't successful, as they wrote it. Oh, so, like so a like in real time memoir. Kind in of real thing. time ah. memoir. So I started writing about all of these crazy, bad, sometimes good, off the wall shows and mm-hmm. things that have happened during the course of my comedy life, and working titled it "The Bomb Diaries." And then, for whatever reason, I think because I had just gotten out of law school. I kind of broke it into different things that you could read this as a short manuscript and just get a feel for like, okay, so this is where I was, Aviator Casino, on this date in 2015 in this city. This is what the venue was like. This is how the promotion went. This is what the audience was like. And then the full incident. And I'd footnote it with just interesting things. The ride home. Because I always talk about how bad the ride home can be (laughs) after a bad show. So what I felt like on the ride home. And then the takeaway, just some sort of advice I would give to myself if I had the chance to do it again. So I started doing this about four years ago and got to a point where it wasn't done, but it was in a point of like, and I fear, Mm -hmm. I I fear based myself out of it of like, let me just turn this into a podcast Mm -hmm. and just start doing it that way. Um, and started doing this um, two years ago, and then I just kind of have this laying around. And every once in a while, I'll pull it out and edit it, and I know I've got like four or five more stories to add, but I bought one of those writer's market books mm. of like if if I submit this thing to either a publisher or a literary agent just to try to get some feedback, mm. what do I have to do for that? And so I'm in the process of learning what that takes and probably won't do that for another <laughs> two years either. <laughs> <laughs> have you looked at that kind of stuff though? No, because I haven't even, th- it doesn't even feel like it's ready to be edited yet. Okay. I haven't even got to that point. I'm still, You're still in the fun stage. I'm still in the, the actual, I'm still in oh, good labor. For you. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. It's like the, or, or tell me how you feel about this. It's like, I'll come up with a bit idea mm-hmm. and I'll write it. And that's the, ah, it's the best. When you have a new idea and you're like, I think this is really, I think this is going to be mm-hmm. good. And I'll get to the point where like, I'm not ready to hate this yet. <laughs> I'll edit next week. And then sometimes those bits just go away. I love this too much to hate it the way I'm going to need to to make this thing good. I think that's going to be the hardest part because yet there is something um, enthralling about just like creating and getting it out there. And then when you have it out there and you actually have to refine it, it's it doesn't feel as fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm still in the just throwing stuff out there phase yeah. and seeing as big as I can get it and then uh there's probably going to be a point where it's never going to feel like it's done so there's probably going to be a point where I have to force myself <laughs> to take a look at it and be like you know you got to cut it down yeah is that how your material is too like you write a bit and it feels great and then to edit it is where the pain starts or is it kind of a mixture comedy feels different um a little bit I think with writing um it definitely is a similar process yeah it's wh- when I'm first writing out it's more stream of consciousness thought so it'll be like huge amount of 
of writing and then I'll kind of have to look through that and see where the points are like the the pressure points <laughs> yeah and then condense it down from there and then goes through the testing phase you got to actually say it out loud to somebody and see what hits and what doesn't and then from there the fur- further condensing I see yeah okay and with the book it's like I'm just gonna <clears throat> here's a question for you yeah I hope this isn't too inside baseball uh but I, I don't I, I don't read many fiction stories mm-hmm. but I've I've watched a few fictional writers break down the process. So what I'll typically do is take like a legendary fiction writer and f- try to find some of their nonfiction because mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, two of them I can think of is um, this guy named John Truby who wrote The Anatomy of Story, mm-hmm. who basically says it's all about plot. Mm-hmm. You have your plot and it all comes from there. And then one of my other, like a top, top favorite book up with The Rum Diary is Stephen King's on writing mm. where he says the opposite of I create the characters and then they do whatever they want. I never think about plot. Mm. That's their business. I make the characters and then they decide. Yeah. Wh- what is it for you? Like how what my style of writing mm-hmm. or like where I think how, how it's piecing together right now is uh, I'll get inspirations for certain events um, or certain things within this universe and they slowly I'm piecing together what that looks like. Um, there are moments where I have to take a look and be like, okay, maybe this doesn't line up and we have to do a little fidgeting and this maybe doesn't, you know, isn't going to translate well. So we have to adjust, but it's this, um, kind of throwing the paint on the canvas, seeing what kind of comes up in this abstract form and then kind of molding it from (coughs) there. Nice. So yeah, characters, a plot is coming. I, I know the general, line of the plot that I think that I want, like a very uh, loose outline. So it, it is adhering to that, but yeah, I don't know if that answers that question. I think it does. It sounds like it leans a little bit more character based and mm-hmm. that you probably have them in mind and then things kind of start running. Is it hard? Cause I've, I feel I've, I admire someone who can write fiction more so than whatever nonsense I'm doing because I'm just talking about me from me. Is it hard to... How many characters roughly are in your book? Uh, it's the very beginning. Um, so right now, maybe established uh, six. Okay. So that's a good bit of perspectives to but that's like deal with. Main characters, maybe like three yeah. right now. So is it, do you find it hard to, do you find it hard to incorporate their stories and voices as you go along or does it f- just kind of flow? Right now it's flowing and that's, I'm enjoying that process. Ah, that's cool. Um, I've, at some point probably we'll have to cut, you know, cut people out or yeah. cut things cause you know, uh, you reading comprehension. Yeah, you gotta kill, you gotta kill, you gotta kill your babies every now and then. Well, I won't dissect it too much if you're still in the enjoyment part. Why ruin a Why ruin a good thing? Um, but I do look forward to hearing how it goes and how it turns out. And at at twenty thousand words, um, it, the interesting part about you know submitting things or whatever mm-hmm. is that for fiction. I was surprised at how detailed the nonfiction submittal process is. You got to make like a 20 page proposal of like oh, target shit. markets. And I immediately lost the love for that right away. Cause I'm, I'm, I enjoy creative endeavors. I, I don't enjoy, 
I don't enjoy the marketing and yeah. the branding and the segmenting and demo stuff, uh, which explains my 130 Twitter followers. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you need all that. Mm. Whereas in fiction, it's a, it's basically a cover letter for your book mm. um, and a certain portion of the manuscript, which is kind of what you send in. And then they go, we, we love the idea. We'll pay you to do the rest or whatever happens. It seems like a much more romantic version of what the idea of writing a book is which mm -hmm. i like i just don't have any good stories in my head that haven't ha happened at me could you self-publish mm -hmm. and that's an option yeah it's a big it's a big one too especially yeah. with how easy it is to do now yeah and, and i think i think amazon has like a really good deal of how how to get it all taken care of so yeah that that part's nice too um someday <laughs> We'll do, we'll do this in another four years. <laughs> you'll be like, Check back. You'll be like, I'm at 80,000 <laughs> words, but it's still a first draft. <laughs> yep, yep, that sounds all right. <laughs> and I'll be like, I turned this into a video series because I'm afraid to mail mine to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's just morphing into... Yeah. Um, during quarantine, have you run into any obsessions of like things that you've gotten super into? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Plants. It's so cliche because I feel like everyone and their mom, but it really, yeah. Like my tried, I turned my whole patio into a garden. Like that was the goal during the spring. Like I built planters specifically um, nice. for my patio. I've turned, my goal is to turn my apartment into a greenhouse. Whoa. Like any, any available surface right now has a plant. It has a plant on it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of the basement in, in your place. That's cool. Yeah. Have you kept them all alive? Are you good at it? Oh, I've murdered many in the process, but they're, the ones that are there are currently alive. They're yeah. doing well. I've found the ones that work for me. There are certain plants that are more tolerable of abuse than others. Okay. And so those are the ones that, have, that are sticking with me. Yeah. <laughs> they can take what I put them through. Yeah. They can make, it's just tumbleweeds in your house. <laughs> just cactuses. <laughs> just whatever, Joshua yeah. trees. <laughs> Pretty much. You ever drive through, I call this city the nation's biggest business park because you go to all these places and there's beautiful trees and foliage mm -hmm. and, and, and then you go out by the airport, which is what this town really looks like. And you're like, Jesus Christ, yep. what even is that thing? <laughs> But it can just withstand whatever it is that we have going on out here. Oh yeah, if it can't, if it can't make it through what I throw at it, then it, I, I guess it doesn't deserve to. Doesn't deserve, <laughs> deserve to live in my apartment. Deserve to live. Yeah. Um, I, I, I realized during quarantine that I get kind of into freak shows. Um, uh, or not not freak shows, but just weirdness. I like weird stuff. I was it told I was weird at a young age, and so I like things that are really out of place. And you um, found this out during quarantine. Like um, it reinforced. Got you. Okay. Uh, you have those moments of like, oh, I, I guess I am into just offbeat things. Yeah. And doing comedy alone is it's an offbeat enough thing. Of like, why would I ever do this? And so I like communities and other things. Mm -hmm. I st here's a, a recent obsession that I, I know is going to take me down a rabbit hole. I recently came across the Olympics channel and I found I found ice, uh, the skeleton bobsled. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Wow. So uh, the the one that I had come across is it was a women's skeleton world competition event. Okay. And these tiny um, petite women are, they've got, so you know what the little, that mm -hmm. little scooter basically looks like, like in gym class when we were kids, yeah. little scooter. They're on ice like the bobsled teams do. 
and they take a full like they're leaned over holding on to it so they're basically bent over at the waist completely holding onto the ground full dead on sprint for like 30 steps dive head first onto this platform on ice it's just a it's just a cart and then they go 85 miles an hour down a bobsled course on this platform the same way that the bobsled event does and at the end at the end of the event have you ever seen how they stop no how do they stop yeah this is when i turned it on is when they were stopping the way that they stop is during the last leg they put their they they put their legs all the, they splay their legs all the way out so that they're almost hitting the wall mm-hmm. and they kind of sit up a little bit and then somebody takes rolls of foam and throw it onto the course and they just blast headfirst into the foam until the cart stops <laughs> there's got to be a better way to do that <sighs> right <laughs> one would think that there would be such a b- think about how sports have evolved like from the leather helmet football yeah. days until what we have now these women these tiny women are still <laughs> going down a they're going down a hill at at 85 miles an hour when you watch a bobsled event, you're like, this looks scary. And they're in, they're in a vehicle that's covered and they've got helmets on. Them. Th- these ladies are laying, they're laying face down with no covering or protection, just on a cart about an inch away from the ice, mm-hmm. going 85 miles an hour down this thing. And yeah, they get to the end. And instead of having some like, you would think that there would just be a super long, like you just go as long as you need to to stop. Yeah. But they just hit them with foam. They hit them with four rolls of foam until they stop. And the remarkable part is they seem to always stop. But it seems like a really rough. They always pop back up. But I almost want to get one on the podcast to be like, hey, can you tell me what that feels like? Because it doesn't look good. <laughs> and now I want to look at what like accidents and and just see the whole get in. I want to get into this whole world. How do they practice? How do you, you know, when we bomb. Yeah. What does it look like when you bomb? going 85 miles an hour down an ice like how do you like i know the way that skateboarders and all practice sometimes is they'll do flips into those ball pits or whatever mm-hmm. but what what could these people possibly have to simulate what it is that they're doing so what is the amateur skeleton suits <laughs> just dead bodies that more <laughs> like your plants <laughs> yeah how do you get into it how do you, how do you dip everything. your toe in the everything yeah and the, and I, I did a real quick search it's not like they're making money during this like they have part-time jobs at hardware stores and shit because like other like scandinavian countries i'm sure they subsidize their athletes mm-hmm. to do shit like that because they know that's just what happens mm-hmm. um it's about the it's like the stuff they compete at mm-hmm. you're not going to see a lot of scandinavian sprinters where you can get at endorsements and make a lot of money so mm-hmm. they typically subsidize their obscure sports athletes mm-hmm. um over here we ain't doing that how yeah. how do not only how do you get into it but why do you get into it because even the most the most glory that you're going to get really nobody's going to know and you're going to you're going to make twenty two thousand dollars if you sell the metal why they're passionate about it what drives that what drives them and how do you like how do they stay in it because even success is even success would be barely attainable like i said you've got to i mean how do you how do you train as an Olympic athlete after a full time job mm. to make forty two hundred dollars at best and lose 
$4,200 a year <laughs> from it. Or your head. Lose your head from it. That's. I just found this recently, and I am now... This is the latest obsession. This is going to be the latest obsession. Um, and I don't know whether I'm gonna, I don't know whether this is going to be material or what, but I need to know. I need to know. So I guess you're doing more helpful things during <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> is the answer to this? You ki- well, no one died uh, from my obsession. You killed a lot. Yeah, I you murdered kill- a lot <laughs> <laughs> of living things. But you've saved a lot of plants as well. So your ha- your house, your place is a greenhouse. What does that mean? Just means that. Is it super hot in there because of it? I mean, I keep it warm. That's also because I'm a I'm a lady. But a lady. um, y- yeah, no, literally, just if like my walls now, I'm starting to to. Tr- to transfer into like what I can fit on because every available <laughs> surface like sitting surface or anything that has like a table is covered in plants. So wow. now I'm trying to figure out how I can get the walls covered. You mean put, you mean shelving or do you mean Ivy? All of it. Oh. Like is, if I can get a plant on every surface, your apartment is going to be breathing <laughs> when you walk in. You will feel physically smaller when you get into that place. I, I think I just love how it feels. So even like if I can't get a live plant, I've just started subsidizing with fake plants. Like a spot that I can't get a real plant in, fake plant goes. Okay. So I want it to look the plant like that you, every possible. The plant that you brought me, thank you again, uh, live plant or fake plant? It's live. It's alive. It's also a potho, so it's hard to kill. So it'll be it'll okay. really be hard to murder. Okay. I okay. have like four of them. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to have you back on the podcast until an acceptable period of time for me to have killed it because it's going to die fast. <laughs> you only have to water it like every two weeks and it doesn't need a lot of sun. Uh, well, that, the plants I normally kill, I kill from overwatering. I'm like, you need a meal, buddy. <laughs> and then they no. drown. And then they drown. So you only need to water that thing every two weeks? Yeah, like every seven to ten days. Two, I've gone, gone as far as two weeks because I, I will forget. Wow. I'm a really bad plant mom. <laughs> but uh, wow. they, they can live through a lot. And you'll it'll start to notice too because they'll start to droop if they get too dry. Sure. And you just got to give them a little bit and then they perk right back Your up. Your plant kids fine. are going to be comics. level <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just get things that I, I only have to water every two or three weeks and we're good to go. <laughs> if they need more maintenance than that, yeah. Maybe not for me. Are you a are you a pop culture person? Sort of. Um I take it I I get from listening to you that you 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 seem to be more ingrained in pop culture. It hap- it finds me. Yeah. Uh Yahoo News can get me to click on some clickbaity things now and then. Have you had a have you had a show or anything like that that's been a quarantine obsession? No. No, I literally, this whole quarantine, I don't think I've consumed hardly any new media. I've just rewatched. Oh, you've rewatched? Comfort shows over and over and What's over again. What's comfort to you? Uh, I went through a three-month phase of where just literally the only thing I watched was New Girl. Just over and over again. I don't know what again. that is. At Parks and Rec, another three months where I just, that's nice. all I watched. Um, right now it's Bob's Burgers. Okay. Just over and over and over again. I yeah. do The Office quite a bit for the same reason, but I'll, I won't watch it on Netflix I'll watch it on cable. Like it's on Comedy Central. You need the commercials. I need the com- commercials. Are, yeah, commercials are helpful. But for some reason, I won't go to Netflix because uh, I'll be like, I've already seen this. But then I'll be flipping through channels. Like, oh, yeah, the office is on. Let's watch, let's watch this. Let's watch this in 30 minutes instead of in 21 minutes. Yeah. I got into Schitt's Creek and finished that. Have you watched that? I started 
And then again, like I just I can't stick with anything. I just go back to what how feels many, good. How many episodes did you go? I don't even know. Um, I think it got to the point. I'm even trying to remember plot lines. Um, maybe like halfway through the first season. Oh, okay. Maybe so you, most of the way through the first season. You got through. You got through. If it wasn't for you by this point, it's probably just not. Yeah, it's I probably just not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I got into one that I don't know if it, it's not feel good, but it was interesting. Mm. Just got done watching a documentary um, called Murder on Middle Beach, HBO Max show. And it's um, what a what an exercise in like if someone's not from a dysfunctional family mm. and wants to know what it's like. What a perfect encapsulation. And that's not what's supposed to be the takeaway. Yeah. The takeaway is actually a it's it's a sad, grim story, but it's a cool story where this kid, when he was eighteen years old, his mo- his mother was murdered in Madison, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And there was all they never found out who did it. And there's all the speculation as to who could have done it. This kid just happened to become a filmmaker and made this documentary trying to find out what happened with his mom. He's 28 or 29 now. Oh, wow. Very cool. Um, And he wanted to learn who she was. A lot of secrets about her that he didn't expect. The families and all kinds of wild shit that wasn't expected. So as you watch this thing, you're like, it could be, it could be anybody. Could have been her ex-husband. It could have been her sister. It could have been her aunt. Could have been either of their husbands. It could have been this person, that person, this person, that person. And they're all, could have been his sister they're they're all family and so he doesn't know who's done it and the whole purpose is to find out and to find out who she was and during the documentary he's spending time with all these people grilling them like asking them hard questions to try to get from them you know what their culpability might be also to learn about her and to go through the whole deal and so you watch him and he's kind of like he's tending to their needs and he loves them and he's trying to make them feel better about what's happening. And he like big long hugs with all of them and they cry together and he's sensitive with them. But also one of them killed his mom and he knows one of them did. And at different times during the documentary, he's more suspecting of someone than others, but still has to meet with them and be like, you know, I love you and give him a hug. And like, you know, all that he's grilling his dad at one point of like, he's, pretty sure his dad's the most likely subject yeah but then at the end he's like hey, it was good to see you and i hope we can do this again soon and they give a hug and, and i'm watching this i'm like that if people don't understand what difficult family dynamics are it's this is the extreme ver- but it's exactly yeah. he knows one of these people killed her but he still has to kind of capitulate to their emotions and and make everything feel good at the he's worried about he feels bad for all of them and he's the one most affected and needs to find out what's going on but there's all these weird and if if you're a well-adjusted person you would watch this and go his dad his dad probably killed his mom why why would you hug that why would you be worried that he's going to be mad at you and you won't be able to eat lunch next month Mm -hmm. and it's like if but if you've ever seen it you so you so know it pretty amazing don't recommend it as an escape <laughs> spoiler alert you'd never find out what happened by the way oh here's what pissed me off there's a season two coming which pissed me off because she didn't get more murdered <laughs> there's no new so ending. just wait yeah 
So just wait. There's supposed to be new evidence or whatever, uh, but that's not going to be until like October of next year. So here I am. Yeah, waiting. Waiting. Oh, that's the thing. All of these shows, I'm just waiting. Stranger Things, waiting. Murder on Middle Beach, waiting. Yeah. Stuck. <laughs> Stuck. That's my favorite thing is to find a series after it's over. Oh, yeah. Why would you Why would you want to wait? Yeah. That's a good one. That's why. That's what made Shit's Creek good is you can watch all of it start to finish. Yeah. Six seasons. You're good. I do recommend it. It does end really nice. And there's no, there's no you know, sometimes in, for the sake of artistry, mm -hmm. they ruin a story <laughs> and ruin your day. That doesn't happen. So if you like feel goods, it's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah. I think that's all. I think that's all. Here's a, I'm just curious with this about you. Yeah. You're a big dog fan. Yeah, big fan of dogs. Yeah, um, specific dogs or just dogs in general? Dogs in general. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I like. I'm not breed specific. Okay. Breedist. I not a breedist. I'm coming around more to dogs lately. I was bitten by one as a child, oh. so I didn't like them for a long time. Trauma. Trauma. I didn't realize that it was trauma that I didn't like them, and so I was afraid of them. Yeah. And then when I realized why I was afraid of them, it was kind of like, oh, I'm not afraid of them now. I know why I was afraid of them. And that happened one time, so it's over. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm starting to really like them. And I was always a big cat guy because mm. I identified more with that. Like yeah. I, the way I always used to see dogs is um, I used to see them as needy, whereas mm. cats are not. And if they're around you, you've earned it, earned it. But now I'm starting to really enjoy dogs and just see cats as assholes kind of. <laughs> and I don't know what the shift came from. Oh, are you moving from a more avoidant attachment style to secure? Oh, maybe. <laughs> what, what to put me on the couch with that? What? what? <laughs> you know what? You've asked a lot psychologically out of me. Let's see. Let's let's hear what got. Let's hear what. Let's hear what got you. I wish people could see how you unfolded your hands too, like, like, <laughs> like you were like a clamshell that you were just handing me. So. Oh, because I was excited to see. I wanted to hand the pressure off to you see where i think so yeah. i mean when you think about um yeah probably in the last couple of years i mean I, I i've i'm getting all of the creature comforts of someone who's more secure um it, it was kind of lived like a mercenary for five or six years and now like um secure r r relationship that doesn't drive me crazy um moved into a house so i'm i'm, lo I'm locked in here until mm -hmm. i die <laughs> pretty much um yeah doing I, I guess i guess i've become more secure lately certainly than like the way i arranged when i first came out here was i want to be able to move immediately anytime if i need to yeah. and i've kind of put down roots now so i yeah a little more secure i mean i'll do it what do you what do you have behind that that led to that quick diagnosis led to that question yeah yeah because so i find um at least within myself that I'm similar. I identify a lot with like a cat, like very finicky, very where did that like twang come from. Oh, I don't know. Cat. Cat. <clears throat> Who's where's, yeah. Where's all your family from? Uh, they're from California, uh, Northern California. All of them. Yeah. A cat. Yeah. That was, that was decidedly, <laughs> that was decidedly Wisconsin or Michigan. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I don't took I a don't page know. out of the Dan Betts playbook for that. A cat. Apparently, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I just I thought there. I, <laughs> I thought, didn't even hear it. I thought we you might. I thought we might have just uncovered uh, just uncovered a, a something I didn't know about maybe your 
your history of living geography oh no but i feel like um people that i've met that feel similarly um tend to be and because i find this in myself highly avoidant um and Mm -hmm. who identify that way whereas um if you identify more with like being a dog you're more live in the moment more kind of like happy-go-lucky generally depending on um and people who like cats um like that they don't feel tend to like that they don't feel um like pressured and they like that they have to earn something yeah you have to earn a cat's affection and you have to also be okay with the fact that they may not want to be around you yeah with i've noticed i'm noticing you start not only do you have to earn it from zero with a cat, but yeah. you st- you start at zero almost every time you see them. Oh, yeah. They can leave the room <laughs> and then you're back at zero. Again. Back at zero. And yeah. that annoys me. <laughs> Whereas a dog is pretty... Uh, once you're there, you're, you're there. You're at a 50 to start. <laughs> you get a pretty good yeah ease in. You get a good start. And you got to do a lot to not earn it. Yeah. Uh, and then um, so that... And that if you feel like that's too much then that might be the, like you're it's overwhelming. Yeah. So you identify more as a cat, <laughs> cat. but you like dogs more. Yes. Uh-huh. But that's cuz I have OCD. Explain. You can't control cats. A cat's going to do what it wants when it wants. Oh, I have okay. no say in what a cat does and when it does it. And I, I adore cats, but anytime that I've lived with a cat, it's, it's definitely been a constant you stressor. Can, <laughs> you can control one or two <laughs> things they don't do. But it, but it takes a it takes a lot. Depends on what kind of cat yeah. you have. Because uh, I had a cat that literally um, literally could open doors and cabinets. Oh, cool. uh, we baby proofed everything, and she could still open it. So that's what I really wanted. That was going to be my first purchase when I got the house was a Savannah cat. You familiar <laughs> with those? Yeah. I really wanted one, um, and then they're like four grand, and and so I they're also so much work I don't want well that's what I've heard is I like that but I've heard they're um very socially fragile animals where like if I'm it would have been better for stay at home work but if I'm at an office all day I've and I'm the only one who lives here yeah most of the time and so I I was worried that I wouldn't be able to give them what they need and and cause them some stress because of it yeah you'd probably end up with a lot of stuff destroyed you think so? Yeah. So they rebel. I mean, you got a it's a once removed wildcat in your house. That's what I like. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> I'm kind of into that. That's such a man thing. I'm this domestication of something and wild. I'm, I'm usually not that guy, which is weird. Like I'm not the I'm from a place where like there are a lot of meathead dudes where I'm from like once the weather hits about 60 degrees mm-hmm. in my hometown, you can bank on five to 10 guys that are just waiting to walk a pit bull with their shirt off mm. through town. Like no shirt, walking a big mean dog through mm-hmm. town. And they think that's awesome. Um, I'm usually not that guy, but something about a, I like something about a real wild animal, like a, like a real, like that. The unpredictability? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I and I like that. I like if I'm going to have a cat, I don't want it to be like a cat that anybody like. I want a freak of a cat, and for, and to become cool with that thing. Because what mm-hmm. I also read about them is they they form serious social bonds 
Mm. And I, I like the idea of that too. Yeah. Just, um, and so, but I don't think I'd be able to give it enough time. Mm. So I started thinking about a dog, but then the only dog I could see myself wanting to buy was a Doberman. Um, yeah. But the problem for that is they don't do always do very well with other people <laughs> like company. And I don't want to have the kind of dog that when company comes over, they got to worry that my dog might want to bite their head off. I think it would depend. It would depend on the temperament because even if we, even within breeds, you have, you have a range of temperaments. You would just have to have one that was probably not as, uh, possessive or right. like leaning towards guarding right and then work with them what if you have a so you're not a breedist but if you're gonna choose do you have a dog yeah you do yes i didn't know yes i didn't know <laughs> what <is> wow <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> we follow I, each other on social media have you not we seen? Uh, we we gotta record more and this goes back to the conversation we were having off mic where I want to weasel you into doing more comedy yeah. stuff is that I'm very much enjoying this interplay because you have very interesting buttons to push. <laughs> like I like that. I like that. It's a button for you that I didn't know you had a dog and I can, I can really in a fun way, bother you with things like, that. I feel like, <laughs> you know, you have friends that like they're, they're really good friends and they especially, they know how to drive you crazy in ways you enjoy. Mm hmm. I feel like very quickly I can learn how to drive you nuts in ways that you'll have fun with. Okay. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Nothing, nothing, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Nothing, I guess nothing to be done, nothing to be done with it, but I enjoy, like I, I've got five or six friends that I, that I'm like, I know how to call, I know how to call and fuck with you. Like it, but in a way that you're going to really have fun about it Okay. and not like I talk with, uh, with our mutual friend Dan about this mm -hmm. all the time. It's like, there are certain things that like if he posts a picture on Facebook, there are certain things that I'll call him and tell him because mm -hmm. he'll really enjoy it. But I, but I also don't trust the general public mm. to understand the frequency yeah. that really works for him. And then they'll just start a roast fest. Mm. Like he posted a he posted a, a thing of him on a on a motorcycle yeah. with his buddy. I called him and, and teased him about wild hogs for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew, but I knew if I cracked the wild hogs joke because I know he's like he's he's almost forty. He's got yeah. a bad back, but I love him. Yeah. And I know, like I know, I'm doing it from from that place. Mm -hmm. And so we had a blast on the phone. And I told him I almost commented this under your thing, but I didn't trust the rest of your gang yeah. with seeing the thing. And he laughed and told me about something he didn't comment on my page for, for the same reasons and so that that's what i'm talking about oh, okay gotcha <clears throat> so long story short you have a dog i wasn't aware of <laughs> yes can i guess what kind of dog yeah when did you get it okay um would have been 2016 oh then i won't no 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 yeah 2017 2016 2017 i think i won't be able to guess i don't think well because i see you share dog stuff and it's like and so I was gonna guess based on the stuff that you share, but oh, if it's yeah. 2016, I don't even I don't even know that, Alyssa. So what what kind of dog is it? It's pitbull mix. I was gonna say yeah, pitbull. Exactly. Okay. I was gonna say it's not that hard. Yeah. I've I've literally <laughs> I've literally talked about him on stage. I have bits about him. <laughs> well, <laughs> Alyssa, 
<laughs> I don't know if you happen to know. <laughs> while you're on stage, <laughs> I have a thing or two going on usually. You mean you're not exclusively listening to yeah. every single person? While you're on stage, I, I have to usually run outside to a patio to tell a smoking idiot that they're next on stage. <laughs> I've got to run inside where someone will ask me where they are on the list. Yeah. Um, someone is angry that they didn't get the right walk-up music. Someone is angry that I didn't read their credits properly because they have a show that they're booking the next Saturday. Um, someone in the audience wants to tell me a joke that they have. <clears throat> An old lady in the audience wants to know what I'm doing after the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's always an old lady <laughs> or a young dude. And... Then I, I sit down and I get about 45 seconds to hear something you have to say that I don't even get to enjoy. I've got to listen to it selfishly to think about what from your act I'm going to say to get to the next person so that they have a good time. Fair so enough. So apologies. <laughs> I don't remember the pit bull joke. <laughs> I only remember... <laughs> I only remember about 77% of your material. And How do you not know all my material very, at any given time? I am very sorry. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> that I didn't. That, so what? Um, the pit bull. <laughs> what about him? I don't remember what I was asking you about your dog. So you've had the dog four years. Yeah. And just one. Yeah, just the one. Okay. And he's... He? Yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost asked if I could bring him, but I'm glad I didn't. If you said you're afraid of, or that you're like not, no. oh, okay, nothing now. I, I, okay. I love them now, um, and it would actually be, it would have been nice to bring a pit bull over and just let him out in the yard for a little while, um, because long story short, Lexi brought her little dog, mm -hmm. and I was afraid to let him out alone because I know that one of the dogs in the neighborhood ate a dog once. Oh, so you're going to use my dog as bait. No, I'm going to use your dog as like, yo. Because <laughs> it was a little wiener dog that the dog oh, ate. Oh, gotcha. Um, and I don't know the full, like the real story behind is a murder on Middle Beach <laughs> style. Like, I don't know who, like, was, I kind of, yeah. I kind of know the events. Um, and the people whose dog it is, I really, like, they're, they've been really good people to me and I enjoy mm -hmm. them. And I've met the dog. He seems totally chilled out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was like a beef with the wiener dog or whatever, but I, I would kind of, I'm afraid to let her, her dog's tiny. Yeah. So on the off chance that he's just a, a mean dog that, that, you know, Lorenzo's toast. <laughs> but if I send a pit bull out there, I could, I could lean over the fence and be like, yo, bitch, you jump over this fence, you might get more than you asked for. <laughs> he looks scary, but he's... I just want to hold him and go, look at that big old head. <laughs> look at that big head on him. <laughs> I love a pit bull's head. Hold your head